but the largest number of them are going to be uh, dysentery. It's going to be the symptom. Uh, in other words, uh, cramping, uh, diarrhea. Uh, that's typical intestinal tract response to all kinds of things that might, might get in there, both viral and, and bacterial. Okay, so I'm not going to go over the tract again. Uh, you, know, you already know about the, the, the mucus in the mouth. Peristalsis moves the materials through. Saliva is antimicrobial. Bile is not very friendly to the growth of some organisms. Um, we have the uh, Peyer's patches, which are, this is all lymphoid tissue to help protect. Because after all, you're, you're eating stuff, and everything you eat has, has microbes on it. Uh, so it's an area that's always... Uh, issue. Uh, oral cavity alone says there's more than 550 known species of microbes, not, not all at the same time, but that have been found. Uh, now, as you get into the esophagus, is, it usually has fewer, and as you get into the stomach, very sparsely populated, uh, mostly because of the acid. Now, and we now know, of course, that uh, there are organisms that tolerate the acid, not very many. Um, but it is it, it helps really protect the rest of the system, and then we get to the large, and as you go through the small intestine, out of the stomach, what you'll find is that it gets uh, increasingly anaerobic, and the number of microbes gradually increases until you get to the colon, which is more bacteria than almost anything else in there. So, so we'll start off with uh, those of you. Anybody here going dental hygiene? Okay. Okay. Well, this is right up your your alley here. Uh, tooth and gum infections, uh, boy, they're they are a problem. Um, they uh, most of tooth and gum infections are actually caused by normal biota that live in the mouth, but they occur because they accumulate and they're not cleaned off the teeth, and so it can damage the soft tissues and, and of course the teeth. Now, uh, carbohydrates, anytime you eat anything with carbohydrates, you have organisms that will break that down into sugars, and then you have organisms that will ferment the sugars and produce acids. Um, and so this is uh, the most common, of course, are cute uh, decay, or dental caries, if you want to use a more simple term. Um, usually there are no symptoms until it gets fairly bad, okay? Uh, but can range, as it says, it could just be a minor disruption of the enamel if you get it cleaned out, or it can go through the enamel into deeper, deeper tooth areas, and if it gets into the soft tissue of the tooth, uh, then uh, you will feel it, uh, and you will be faced pretty much with a uh, root canal uh, procedure in order to clean that out. So uh, it starts off, uh, the uh, organisms here, they will, uh, some of them will uh, form, uh, uh, so here, streptococci and actinomyces. Streptococci are often uh, streptococcus mutans, remember one we use in the lab. Um, they colonize, they form a colony. Now, if, within about 24 hours, they will begin to form a biofilm. So if you're cleaning your teeth and, you know, uh, less than 24 hours, you probably will get most of this off uh, when you do that. Uh, when you go over 24 hours, you start having to make sure they start to form a biofilm, and then you start to get acid formation, which then begins to eat into the, the uh, enamel of the tooth. 
Um, so if it's only the enamel like this, uh, and then it can go into the dentin, this can still be repaired. And then when it gets into the pulp, uh, basically uh, this whole pulp area needs to be cleaned out. And that's when they do everything on it. Okay. They're not nearly as bad as everybody thinks they are. As long as you can tolerate the needle or the, the anesthetic, after that, you know, you know it's fine. You know, so I've had a couple of them done. I am, well, once, once I get you numbed up, you, you don't feel much. Yeah, and then, of course, afterwards, you, you drool and talk funny and all that, but that's... Uh, okay, so dental care. So, so this is uh, black here. This is a biofilm. Okay, so this is... See, you notice how... All these fibers here connecting the organisms. Uh, this is what we mean by a biofilm, and this is what plaque is. Plaque is essentially a biofilm formed on your teeth. Now, over time, if you go for days, uh, they will start to form, they'll start to calcify. They'll, start, they'll get calcium formed in here, and then it gets hard. And then at that point, uh, you're going to have to have somebody else clean that off. All the brushing and everything is not going to. Okay, so there's some dental caries. So Streptococcus mutans, uh, there are some others. Uh, uh, mostly uh, the acid production is the issue. Oral hygiene, that's um, fluoride. That's one of the reasons they supplement with fluoride. It's not a, not a plot by the government to sterilize your tongue. Uh, some have it. Uh, the fluoride actually helps strengthen the uh, enamel. And really, the only treatment is you have to go in and you got to take out the disease material, otherwise it's going to keep getting worse. That's pretty much all you can do. And it's, uh, dental treatments have really changed over the years. Well, since I was in high school, I don't know. No high-speed drills back then. All they had was, uh, you could sit there and you, they, you could watch the cable run around and you know, it's like, uh, it was awesome. You know? so, uh, today, it's, uh, it's much, much better. Now, periodontal disease. This is uh, mostly on the gum line. Most of the population has some of it. Uh, mostly it's bacterial colonization. And uh, you get a little redness along the gums or they bleed a little more easily. And basically you have periodontal disease. Now, the initial stage is called gingivitis. Uh, and basically you get some redness, you get a little bit of bleeding. Uh, the gum may change its shape slightly. Now, if that persists, you, this will go on into the uh, cementum that down uh, that holds the tooth in. Remember that from anatomy. Um, and uh, what that ends up doing is making, and you may have this if you floss uh, a pocket in a tooth, you, you floss down in there and there's kind of like a little pocket that increases those, uh, food gets caught in there, and you can actually get bone resorption. Uh, and if it's not treated, you can actually lose teeth. Uh, Again, there's no real reason for that to happen, but can. Um, and you can get this, uh, some other organisms that get involved uh, that get, once this starts into the uh, gum tissue, and you can actually get ulcers, ulcer in, in your mouth. Now, you know, for most people that you probably know, and for yourself, uh, dental care is just kind of something we mostly do. Uh, but that is not the case everywhere. And, uh, when I first went in the military, uh, first thing they, that was one of the first things they did with the recruits, uh, there were people who came in there who had never been to a dentist. You know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old, never been to a dentist in their lives. Uh, 
military to take care of it, but they couldn't receive the dentist a lot of times. So this is what it looks like when you get periodontitis. Uh, the, uh, the gums recede, more of the bone actually becomes visible, and then of course you can get these pockets, the gums actually pull away and you get these pockets in here. Uh, with healthy gums, you shouldn't have that. Okay? As you age, everybody is going to get some of this. It's well worth going and having your teeth cleaned. Uh, I know it's, uh, you have to pay for it, unless you have insurance. Fortunately, our insurance pays for two cleanings a year, which is kind of the standard, like once every six months. I go every, every, uh, every three times a year to have a teeth cleaning. I just go to pay for one every year. Now, my wife, she's 44 now, she's never had a cavity in her life. Okay? Don't lie to you, why? Uh, never a single cavity. And there are people like that. People have never had a cavity. Uh, other people just have to look at a carbohydrate and stuff starts growing. Uh, it's, just, it's a difference in the <coughs> So here's uh, some x-rays. You can see the bone loss. Okay, here. This, is, this would be moderate bone loss. This is clearly a little more than that. Uh, and uh, this is one of the results of periodontal disease that does not, uh, that is not uh, taken care of. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of organisms uh, that get involved with this. Uh, Orpheromus uh, gingivalis is one of the, the most common. It's part of where the name comes from. But uh, the actinomycetes, uh, actinobacilli, actually the actinomycetes get involved. And then if you get into the ulcerative, necrotizing means tissue death. Uh, those are some other species. Most of these species are present in your mouth. It's not like they're being imported in to do bad things. They're, they're probably there all the time. All right, now, we, uh, mumps could be classified probably in more than one place. It's classified with this system because the uh, salivary glands are usually considered part of the uh, digestive system. And uh, basically, uh, mumps are really not too serious for, young, for you know, younger children. Uh, get a fever, muscle will obtain, uh, then you get the uh, inflammation of the salivary glands, in particular the parotid glands, um, and, you get a, and you get actual swelling. Um, now, if that's all it does, it's usually pretty minor, uh, but the only thing it does when you have the swollen parotids is it hurts a little bit to swallow, and particularly something acidic or, or sour, um, and then it goes away. And of course today, most kids get vaccinated for mumps. That's relatively uh, normal. Uh, again, uh, when I was young, we just all got the mumps and got it over with, and then you're done with it. Uh, the, the danger is that it can occasionally can be invasive into other organs. Uh, and, and in particular, the testes and the ovaries, it can leave a uh, 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 male, can actually be left sterile from this if it spreads. That is not common, but it does occasionally happen. And the older you are when you get them, the more likely there are to be side effects, additional side effects. There's this poor kid with his parotid, swollen parotid gland. You know, he looks thrilled. Okay, and so uh, 
These are just a look at the, at the product land and the, the, the virus that's in here. And so this is a, a viral disease. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's only so much you can do about it, uh, except vaccine, vaccines, which we do have. Um, spread by droplets, coughing, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, there are a number of tests for it. And treatment is basically, it's a, it's a virus, so treatment is basically support. Not a lot you can do. And uh, again, it's not something that's commonly seen anymore. Just because of the vaccine. Okay, we uh, can also have, uh, we have a presentation in lab about Helicobacter. Uh, this was a this was a real revelation when they found out that this was there. It had always prior to that time it had always been assumed that the stomach was sterile, that nothing could live in that kind of environment. Turns out they can. Uh, this is one in particular. It is very likely that it may not be the only one now that we know is there, but it thrives there uh, and it can cause gastritis, which is basically uh, pain in the abdomen. It can also cause ulcers, which are open sores basically in the mucosal layer. Or they can actually go all the way through, which we refer to as a perforated ulcer, uh, or even duodenal ulcers. Uh, it is thought that long-term infection might contribute to stomach cancer, but I, I don't think that that connection is nearly as tight as everybody would like to be able to say that definitely. So these these are the guys right here. Uh, they have a multiple flagellae. And the reason they can live down there is uh, urea is released uh, from cells. Uh, they have an enzyme called urease, which uh, breaks down the urea into ammonia. And ammonia, of course, is a base. Uh, and that helps protect them uh, from the acid environment. And they get down in among the cells. And, and they, now, many, some people will have these for their whole life and never have ulcers. Just because you have this organism does not mean you will have ulcers. You may or you may not. But it, uh, it turns out, though, that many people with ulcers can be cured. You don't have to just eat plenty of foods and, you know, and drink enough of magnesium and all that. Take an antibiotic, and they actually are cured. Uh, that does not cure every case of ulcers, but uh, a large number. Okay, so this is a, a look inside the, the stomach. Uh, the uh, This one is... Uh, Pretty much asymptomatic here. Here you have uh, some gastritis around here, uh, some growth along the wall. Here is a, a, an ulcer, okay, and here it's turned into a, uh, a tumor. Okay, so these are all. So you'll notice this is less than one percent. So that the you know, the connection between this organism and cancer is really pretty tenuous. You would come right down to it. Um, this is what most people who have them. They have maybe a little redness, but otherwise nothing happens. So, uh, we don't know how it's transmitted, really. Um, it's easily tested for. Uh, and they can either look, they can, uh, there's the ELISA test, or there's the balloon test, which uh, they're doing is looking for your exhaling uh, uh, urea, which is uh, another way of telling. Basically, it's antibiotics. It, it responds, they're not particularly resistant to antibiotics and that takes care of the problem. All right, now, 
Then we get into the most common of the digestive tract issues, and that's acute diarrhea. Uh, everybody's had it uh, at some point in their life, probably more than once, and it just is nothing. Uh, it comes from a lot of different reasons. Uh, it is estimated that about a third of the time that people have this in the United States is actually uh, contaminated food. Okay. Uh, if you, uh, if, if it's, and we'll look at some of these, uh, but if it uh, has rapid onset, it's an acute onset, and within 24 hours it's gone, it is probably not a microbe. Probably something in the food you ate, uh, and uh, basically it was food poisoning. Not that anybody deliberately poisoned me, but it just, you know, what happens. Uh, most of the time, there's very little treatment involved uh, beyond uh, rehydrating. And uh, it's actually your uh, digestive tract's normal response to problems. And it just clears the digestive tract. So it has, that's what it's supposed to do. Now, there are some that can be really bad. And uh, E. coli 0157 is one that is. We'll talk about that a little bit. Okay, so it can be caused by salmonella. That's one of the causes. Um, temperature, vomiting, uh, diarrhea. Usually two to five days goes away. That one last a little bit longer. Um, there is, however, one of the salmonella uh, organisms that causes typhoid fever, salmonella typhus. Uh, and this actually can infiltrate into the liver and cause uh, uh, Aggressive uh, disease. Um, just a picture of uh, salmonella. Let's see, which is what we see something here. Those are the organisms. Um, this is just um, a, uh, some data from the CDC on, on where the most cases are each year. Um, it's interesting that down in Texas, New Mexico, seems to have a lot of a lot more cases of salmonella poisoning than anywhere else. Um, a little bit in Minnesota. Virginia's is kind of in the lower low range. Uh, lower back. Uh, okay, so that's caused by salmonella. You can also have acute diarrhea that's caused by Shigella species. This usually is one of the most uh, severe. Um, it's really not very common in the United States. The uh, problem is the organism is not easy to kill by stomach acid. And so as few as 10 organisms uh, ingested can actually cause this. Uh, frequent watery stools, fever, a pain, nausea, vomiting, sometimes blood in the stools. Uh, the organism, uh, and, and this is just a, a look at uh, the inside of somebody who has it. Uh, the uh, organism uh, produces a toxin, which is why it makes it so virulent. It's a Shigella toxin, and that's what causes the problem. Okay, then we have uh, E. coli, 0157. Uh, 
There are other types of uh, E. coli that cause diarrhea, but this is the, the one that's most concerning. Uh, most people do not have any, you know, they have pretty mild symptoms, the majority of people. But some people have more severe, and particularly very young, very old. Um, they uh, can develop uh, kidney failure. Um, it's a uh, hemolytic, uremic kidney failure. Um, and uh, sometimes some neurologic uh, disorders. Now, again, those are not common. Uh, we used to, again, in video, and we used to do in lab, it was about one that occurred in Scotland, I believe. And people were getting got sick, they isolated 0157, and they're trying to figure out where it came from. Uh, what was the connection between the people that had it that turned out they'd all been in music, the same place and eating the same food? So they, you know, trying to figure it out. Uh, and there was concern that it was spread, and it turned out it didn't. But it was an interesting uh, uh, illustration of how the whole process of epidemiology can sometimes end up with a dead end. Okay? Uh, There's a lady who was in it said, you know, by the time you get called about something like that, all the food's been thrown away, so you can't test the food. You have no way of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very difficult to track that. Now, there are four other categories of E. coli diarrhea. Um, this is uh, the typical traveler's diarrhea. Um, it's not very serious, but it's really annoying. Um, and uh, this is not necessarily for you going to Mexico or Nicaragua or someplace like that. People can come from other countries and come here to get that. Get this. And what, what's in part is uh, it's a change in the strain of E. coli that you're exposed to. It's not necessarily meaning that you are, you know, it's, things are really unsanitary, although they obviously are somewhat. Uh, but it's, it's not restricted to, uh, it's not restricted to monsoon events and things like that. Okay. Uh, uh, there's another invasive one that's somewhat similar to Shigella. Um, Fine blood, pus in the stools, and significant fever. Uh, again, diarrhea, fever, vomiting. And uh, this is uh, common in young children in AIDS, this particular type. Okay, so E. coli gets uh, the rap a lot of times because it's there. You know, we're all carrying tons of E. coli around with us, uh, and it's, it can easily get contaminated. Why do people wash their hands? <coughs> All the signs in restaurants there that workers wash their hands are clean here in the restrooms. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's easily spread. And washing hands is probably not enough. They really should be brushing under their fingernails as well, because that's where the reason it's going to hang out if they pick it up. Okay, Campylobacter is another organism uh, that causes diarrhea. Campylobacter is common in chickens. Along with salmonella, we all know that uh, chicken uh, carries salmonella. Uh, partly, it's because of the way that they're uh, they're processed. Uh, there, we again another video we used to have. They had gone to they just went to a store and bought chicken off the shelf, took it back to the lab, and they cultivated salmonella off of every piece of the chicken. Uh, and uh, and also Campylobacter was common as well. Uh, these are intestinal organisms in, in the chickens and. Uh, easily gets contaminated. So that's why they, the whole thing about if you have raw chicken on the surface, don't put anything else that you can eat on that surface until you disinfect it. Uh, you know, disinfect the knives, disinfect 
be careful with uh, cutting boards. Uh, wooden cutting boards are, well, it's it, not supposed to be so good, but I had a, um, this was a science fair project, so again, I don't know how repeatable it is, uh, but uh, students had done um, three types of cutting boards. Uh, they had wood ones, they had plastic, and then they had glass. And it basically, it turned out in their sampling, um, the wooden board had fewer organisms than the other two, which you would not expect. Um, now, it may have to do with what kind of wood is made. But anyway, this is a problem. Uh, this can lead to uh, Guillain-Barr syndrome on occasion, again, not often, which is a paralysis that's not permanent. And this is what uh, Campylobacter looks like. And then if you work around, particularly hospitals and nursing homes, you're going to see Clostridium difficile. It uh, causes colitis, uh, so colitis is obviously colon. Uh, it's, uh, in hospitals and nursing homes, it is the primary cause of diarrhea in patients. Uh, it uh, happens in part because those patients are usually on antibiotics of some kind. The antibiotics remove many of the normal organisms from the intestinal tract, particularly the colon, and then Clostridium difficile erodes to fill the space. And causes a problem. Uh, it produces two toxins, which uh, cause uh, death of cells in the wall. Uh, so abdominal cramps, fever, and so on. Uh, very difficult to get rid of. Very, uh, very contagious. Uh, very difficult to get rid of. And this, this is kind of what it does. This is a normal uh, cecum here. Here's one. You can see the bacteria growing all over the cecum. Here you can see the damage to the cecum. So it's, uh, C. difficile is difficult, very difficult to clear up. And then uh, there's uh, cholera, Vibrio cholera, always from water, contaminated water. Most of these are obviously fecal oral route of transfer, that's how they get, get around. Um, this one though is particularly dangerous because of the amount of watery diarrhea uh, that, it, that it causes, which can lead to dehydration. Now, in, in a normal adult who has access to clean water or, or uh, electrolytes, you just replace those and eventually it goes away. The problem comes in third world countries where they don't have clean water to start with. So how do you, you know, how do you treat it? How do you take care of it? The other problem is infants. Infants can dehydrate in a matter of hours. Uh, it's uh, estimated that probably the leading cause of death of infants in, in the world, particularly third world countries, is dehydration from diarrhea. And Vibrio cholera is one of the worst at doing that. Um, Vibrio, because it's common shape, that's why it has that, that shape. Um, and uh, it's interesting that uh, this organism actually lives in a small shrimp-like organism in the water. And organisms living in salt water, it lives mostly in brackish salt water, um, they have problems with getting rid of salt. Uh, and you know, the salt, they're in the salt water, they gotta get, get rid of that excess salt. And it turns out that this organism actually attaches to the, the wall of their intestines and it pumps, it helps move sodium ions across, the, across and get rid of 
So it's almost like a symbiotic relationship. The problem is when we get it in us, it attaches to the wall of the colon and it tries to do the same thing. And you start transporting sodium across the membrane, that's going to be followed by chloride ions, that's going to be followed by water and osmosis, and there you go. Okay. Um, and again, they, they don't mean to do harm, they just do what they do. Lose up to a liter of water in an hour. That's, that's a fair amount of water. Uh, cryptosporidium uh, is another organism, uh, not common. There have been a couple of cases where it's gotten in municipal water supplies. Uh, in fact, I think it was, uh, it was Milwaukee. Uh, they had quite a problem. It's been quite a few years ago now, but it got in the water supply, and they, they uh, it turned out that what they were using was not, not enough to kill cryptosporidium. And after that, water treatment plants everywhere started changing. Now, it used to be that they would treat it with chlorine. Well, uh, it must be 10 years ago here or so, maybe 15. Newport News Waterworks sent, told you they were changing their treatment, and they probably didn't pay any attention at the time. They're using both uh, chlorine and ammonia. It was a particularly an, an issue for people who had tropical fish because now the water, you had to get the ammonia out of the water before you could get the fish tank in to the fish. Um, and, uh, <coughs> but those two together are, were more effective in getting rid of things like cryptosporidium. Uh, some places also are using um, ultraviolet light or others are using ozone There's an acid fast stain. Okay, now we're into some more viruses here. Again, all of this is diarrhea, okay? The typical intestinal tract response. That's, uh, that mo except for the few at the beginning, this is the standard uh, response. Uh, this is uh, rotavirus. Uh, again, begins abruptly. Vomiting, fever, diarrhea, gone with us in a week. And again, the major thing is replacement of fluids. That's what you have to do. You have to replace this fluid. Um, uh, so this uh, mostly in the upper small intestine. It causes cell death along the wall. And this is after a couple of weeks, your delamine returns to normal. Okay, so it's not a, a long-term. Uh, the only the major danger of it is uh, the uh, dehydration in, in children or in elderly too. Elderly people are more likely to be dehydrated than, than others. Uh, so fecal oral route, prevention is the standard. Wash your hands, disinfectants. Norovirus is another one. 23 million cases a year in the US. Um, many other people never seek medical care. It's a, uh, it used to be called the Norwalk virus. It was originally uh, uh, isolated in Norwalk, Ohio, and that's where the name came from now. It's just called the norovirus. Nausea, vomiting, it's over it's somewhere between 12 and 60 hours, so probably figure 36 hours is gone. Now, most people are never going to go see a doctor for something like that. They have diarrhea, 36 hours later, it's gone, and they're not going to go see anybody like that. Uh, that costs money. You have to go, you don't go. Um, so the norovirus, this is the one that is, uh, again, upper small intestine, uh, <coughs> fecal oral route. Uh, this is the one that is implicated in the cruise ships. Most of the cruise ships that you read, read about, that they have a, a, a infectious, it spreads through the uh, passengers. It's more often than not that the 
Jesus uh, know our lives. And it, it comes on very quickly. Usually two to three days is gone, but in the middle of your cruise, you're not really happy about that. Uh, and neither is cruise line. Uh, I mean, it's obviously bad uh, uh, public relations to have people getting sick on your ships. But the other thing is when they come back in port, um, they cannot go back out again until they clean the ship from one end to the other and the CDC approves what they've done. Now, cruise ships are not making money when they're sitting in port being clean. Okay? Uh, if, if you've ever been on a cruise, I haven't, but if you've ever gone on a cruise, when you're getting on that ship, usually later in the day, the people who came in got off it that morning, they reprovisioned and they're, they're back out of sea as quickly as they can go. Because that's when they're making money. It's like airplanes. Airplanes don't fly, they don't make money. Uh, sitting on the ground and it's not doing you much good. Uh, so the cruise lines really are not happy with this either. It's not like they don't care. Uh, usually it's traced to somebody on board who has it. Uh, could be a crew member, could be a captain. No way to know. <coughs> and then there are some other viruses, uh, and we won't go into all of them, but it's all the same basic uh, uh, response. So this is just uh, a kind of a chart. Salmonella, Shigella. This is the uh, E. coli. It produces a Shigella-like toxin, which is much like Shigella. Other E. coli is Campylobacter. And the whole whole group that we've talked about. Norovirus, not on here. Um, so, alright, so this is generally just acute diarrhea. Sometimes vomiting with it, but not always. Now, when you uh, have vomiting first, and then diarrhea, usually this is reported. Um, basically, it's a toxin that you've eaten. It's usually not the organism, it's usually a toxin that's in the food that you've eaten. Symptoms are violent, they come on very rapidly, and usually within less than 12 hours from when you ate, usually less than that. Um, and then they're usually gone within a day. System, you know, if you vomit, you have diarrhea, you play the system, you know, everybody is returns back to normal. Uh, this is what I think some people used to call the 24-hour flu. I remember that when I was a kid. They said, I had a 24-hour flu. There's no such thing as a 24-hour flu. Okay? Nobody gets the flu and gets over it 24 hours. Probably what happened is they picked up something. Now, uh, Staph aureus can also, here we bring the Staph aureus back again. Can also cause food poisoning. Um, they produce a toxin, an exotoxin. It doesn't tell, affect the taste of the food. You can't tell it's there. Um, mostly in uh, things that have, uh, well, as you see, clean pastry, sauces, custards, chicken salad, uh, things that have been contaminated and left unrefrigerated. The biggest problem in places that have the, the food is <coughs> keeping the food at the right temperature. It either should be hot or it should be cold, and there shouldn't be food in between for the most part. Uh, and and uh, so when food inspectors go in, that's one of the first things they check. They check temperatures of the uh, coolers, they check temperatures if you're keeping stuff hot somewhere, they're going to check the temperature of that uh, because that's where you're going to run into problems. Okay. Keep the, the right temperature. Generally, things with mayonnaise in them, <clears throat> don't like chicken salad, is not supposed to be kept overnight so you Sure, places do that, but they're not supposed to. 
evening uh, clustery You should recover pretty quickly, within 24 hours, you're fine. Uh, bacillus, another bacillus, uh, well, I'm not even gonna go into this one, uh, in, in the Now this one was um, Clostridium perfringens. Now this is the one we talked about with the skin that caused gasoline green. Okay. It is an anaerobic, and uh, sometimes you will get uh, endospores in the food that they don't get cooked enough. Uh, again, uh, pain, diarrhea, 8 to 16 hours, quick recovery. Now, if you're interested in uh, what's going on in some place you go, you can go to the Virginia um, Department of Health website. Food safety, you want to look at hotel inspections, um, you can look at uh, restaurant inspections, and I want to see those. I guess that would be under food safety. Uh, yeah, restaurant inspections. And you can just pick any county you would like, and they will give you. So you can pick a, a county or a city here, and you can, you know, for instance, you can look at, uh, uh, I should have it here, let's see, this is my county. Um, so if you uh, were to pick uh, James City, Tidewater. They keep changing the words with the map. Not that way. Yeah, give me my page. Okay, so um, give you a little bit about it, um, and then you should be able to look for and search for a particular restaurant that you're interested in. They used to have a list of them, now you have to search, but um, so you can search, and they will give you the last four or five restaurant inspections. You can look and see how many how many problems they had, were any of them major issues, are they minor? Are they, a lot of minor ones are corrected on the spot, and they don't even, you know, they don't really look at those very much. But uh, you can have major items, um,
So you could pick anybody you like. You know. uh, we have, uh, okay, so yesterday we went to, to Rick's um, cheesecake place. So there's the information. Here's their inspection history. Um, last uh, one was uh, December uh, 2015, so they haven't been inspected for a while. Uh, one non-critical, one repeat item. So if you click on that, it will tell you. Stations in the kitchen are observed in a state of disrepair and damage. Okay, temperatures. It'll tell you what the temperatures were in various places. Okay, so at any rate, if you are interested in any particular restaurant, you can go to this site. I think that it used to be easier to find things. I think they've made it more complex. It's difficult when they, you know, it's like Thomas Nelson's new and improved website, uh, which I can't find much on. But anyway, so I'll let you know about that if you are interested. Up someplace for you to eat so you find out. I think they even probably have, yeah, they have mobile food trucks too, so if you go to those. Most people seem to think that food trucks are probably not very interested in being clean, but I don't, I don't have any reason to go on with them. Okay, so again, uh, food poisoning, <coughs> mention those. Chronic diarrhea is if it lasts more than 14 days. Uh, doesn't matter why. AIDS patients often suffer with that. Uh, many microbes, Clostridium difficile is one of the more common ones that lasts more than 14 days. Um, and uh, Cyclospora is another uh, uh, organism. Uh, and that's what they look like. It's a cyst, it's a, actually a, uh, a protease. This one we'll talk about for a minute Giardia. Uh, Giardia is, uh, again, Long duration, uh, usually no fever. It's gotten from water, contaminated with water, and it's uh, why you don't drink water out of streams and that, even if you're out in the mountains and it looks as clean as can be, uh, because you may have this organism in it or the cysts of this organism in it. Uh, they, uh, they, they uh, are flagellated, kind of pear shaped as you can see. There's an active feeding form, and then there's a, uh, a cyst, which is usually found in the feces, and it goes out, and then it can be taken in, and then it will turn into the feeding form again. They feed on the uh, on the tissues, uh, and uh, 
the uh, diarrhea from these lasts quite a while. Uh, with several so uh, this is referred to out west, they refer to it as beaver fever. So beavers are one of the common animals that carry it. It's carried by wildlife. Uh, and so uh, it's really not safe to drink uh, water directly out of the water. And let's see, where are we here? Amoebas, hepatitis, and then worms. Uh, well, we'll stop. obviously you'll stop there. We'll pick this up next time. We'll finish this in the agenda. Uh, get to talk about worms. No, and you'll be able to do your presentation. Excellent. Thank you. So I'll take the morning then. We're going to go down on Wednesday. I'll put it in the center here. And um, you might want to check uh, what exactly what time they open because I'm not positive. I think they probably not till 9, but I'm not, not positive. I um, fear we're taking the lab on Wednesday, so I'll take that Thursday morning. So yeah. Take care. So, thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, it's not a problem. Okay. For this. Okay. I will take a look at it.